Welcome to episode 46 of the PharmExec podcast. I'm Kristen Harm, Associate Editor of PharmExec Magazine and our podcast host. PharmExec Magazine is a multimedia publishing brand that brings you the latest commercial insights for the C-suite. On this week's episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with Julia Owens, co-founder and CEO of Melendo Therapeutics. Julia talks about how to keep a company on the path to success, even when there are bumps in the road. She discusses the value of focusing on strengths and how that is currently working for Melendo in the endocrine space. So we're going to hear a quick word from our sponsor, Finger Paint, and then we'll get back to you with Julia's interview. Scientists believe that the human eye can see about a million colors. At Finger Paint, we think that's a good start. We're an agency that believes in giving your brand the color and the marketplace approach that no one has ever seen before. Finger Paint, never paint by number. Hello, hello, podcasters. Today, Elaine Quilici, our senior editor, and I are interviewing Julia Owens, co-founder and CEO of Melendo Therapeutics. So Julia has seen her company through some trying times, yet the company continues to bounce back, which is awesome. Melendo is currently forging ahead, uh, you know, developing a treatment for Prader-Willi syndrome, which is a rare genetic disorder. And that causes an insatiable appetite, which can often result in extreme obesity. So Julia is here today. Uh, She's here to talk to us about her persistence and planning payoff. Hi, Julia. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'd like to start out just asking uh, maybe for a little background on the history of Melendo and how you've had to pivot the company a couple of times. Yeah, I mean, Melendo is probably typical of many biotechs in that we've had our challenges in uh, drug development that is inherent in uh, you know, working in the space, but we might have had a few more um, bumps than some companies and yet um, are in a really strong position today as a company. You know, the first stage of the company, we actually had a different name. We were, we were called a Terracor and we were focused on this very rare cancer called adrenocortical carcinoma. Our original drug candidate in that space didn't show sufficient efficacy to justify moving forward. Then we moved into broader endocrine diseases and changed our name to Melendo and ran four phase two clinical trials with two different products in a a variety of different endocrine diseases. In that case, we had a lead candidate, MLE4901, which was for polycystic ovary syndrome and menopausal hot flashes that showed some really interesting data, but unfortunately also demonstrated some safety issues that caused us to have to move on from that drug candidate and pivot yet again, which sets us up to where we are today, which is uh, starting two years ago, we began working in Prader-Willi syndrome and our lead asset levolatide that's now completing recruitment in a pivotal study. Okay, so how did the company's clinical setbacks affect the overall perception of Melendo? Was there some skepticism internally among employees? And how about externally among investors? 
Yeah, I mean, I think internally, we've always communicated very clearly to our broader team about what our plans are, why we've made the choices to move forward, and at times terminate efforts in certain clinical development programs. And so the team has been very, very supportive. I think externally, as we've had to reinvent the company a couple of times, it takes more time and effort to um, re-educate the investor and broader biopharmaceutical community on what you're doing. And, you know, originally we were known as a cancer company. Then we were known as this company working in PCOS. So suddenly when you come forward as Melendo that's working um, primarily in Prader-Willi syndrome, you can get some confusion. So it does take more effort to be out talking to investors, um, working on our investor relations and public relations activities to articulate the story of the company. But we generally find that when people do spend the time to get to know what we're doing, um, do actually look at our data, look at what we're accomplishing, look at the development programs we're running. They see the value proposition and are enthusiastic about what we're doing. Are there any other ways you can think that um, you had to create a positive view of the company? The, the biggest issue is the articulation of who we are and what we're doing and why we made the changes. I think the story resonates well when you hear it. You know, we brought on our Prader-Willi program through a merger. So we are sometimes asked why, why we ended up doing that merger, why we brought that program on, and, and you know, why us, a relatively small biotech company, would be an attractive home for that asset. But it was a really compelling transaction for both us and for the company we merged with. And again, when people understand that story and ultimately see the value we're creating in our de- drug development programs, I think we get a positive response. So how did you see Melendo through its tough times? Do you maybe think, you know, your background or your leadership style, how did that aid you in achieving your goals? I definitely think that having a experienced leadership team in the company and also a particularly strong board of directors supported us through um, some some challenging times. Um, You know, when you have to abandon your lead drug candidate, not just once, but twice over a six-year period of time, you know, a lot of times companies don't have the chance to, to give it a third shot um, with a third program. Our board has always been one of our greatest assets and supporters um, and really provided strategic guidance to the company and gave space for management to be able to succeed. And then our, our team Our executive team in particular are folks who have been around drug development for a a very long time and really have always been focused on the patient, focused on doing what's best for them, and therefore totally understood why we had the challenges we did and why we need to make the changes that we did. More importantly, um, or equally importantly, is, is the fact that we always have made sure to have plans A, B, and C in place so that when things go awry, as frankly is almost always going to happen at some point when you work in drug development, you have other things to fall back on. When we had a setback in one of our clinical programs, you know, we didn't have 18 months or longer to figure it out. We needed to be ready to move on to our next option quite rapidly. And and in each case, we've done so in less than six months. And so having other scenarios in the mix and being ready to pivot to them when, um, when there are setbacks is part of our success. 
And that means that, you know, not only executing on the programs that are live, but always thinking about what the other options are and having those ready to go. I think that's really great and kind of uh, brings me into our next question, which is about the future of Melendo. So the company is currently in a three-team race to find a treatment for Prader-Willi syndrome. How did you decide to focus on this area? Melendo has been focused on endocrine diseases from our start. Um, One of our co-founders is Dr. Gary Hammer, who's currently the president of the Endocrine Society. We have several endocrinologists working in-house, and that's kind of where we've been focused. While we've worked in six different indications over the history of the company, they have always had that endocrine theme. And we have always been focused on diseases for which there is a significant unmet medical need and the treatments we're developing can really make a substantial difference in patients' lives. Prader Willie meets that to a T. It's a it's a very serious condition where patients die on average by 23 years old. They have no existing treatments. They have all sorts of hormonal dysregulation, and we have in levolatide an asset that we think can really make a difference in these patients' lives. So um, sticking with our bread and butter of endocrine disease, focusing now on Prader-Willi is one where we can think we can make a substantial difference. So by the time you closed the deal and developed the product, you'd, begun, you'd already begun recruiting for your study more than four months after your competition. And despite the late start, you were able to complete enrollment first. So how were you able to achieve this? Yeah, I mean, it's an accomplishment we're incredibly proud of. We began recruiting our first subject um, in our pivotal study in Prader-Willi in March of this year, and we completed recruitment in in November. That's only eight months later, which, as you noted, is absolutely record time for being able to recruit a study in this very rare condition that only impacts patients, about 10,000 patients in the United States. And we did start last amongst three different companies running pivotal trials. And we did, as you noted, finish first, putting us in a very strong position to capitalize on the advantages that may come from being able to actually get to the market first. I attribute our success to three major factors. One is our team did a phenomenal job executing. Uh, we have a, we work with CROs, but our internal team partners closely with them to execute on our trials. We made an early decision to go broad in the number of clinical trial sites we were including in the study. So we had opened 38 clinical si- trial sites across Australia, US, and Europe, and Um, We just did a really good job in partnering with the clinical trial sites and with the patients to make participation in the clinical study as seamless as possible. Second of all, our phase two data set supporting the efficacy of levolatide and Prader-Willi syndrome is amongst the best available. Our phase two study was the largest phase two ever run in Prader-Willi. It was a seven-center placebo-controlled uh, robust study in 47 patients. And so if you're a patient or a caregiver um, and you're judging what clinical trial you want to participate in, you're going to look for a drug that you think has the greatest probability of deriving benefit. And so we think our phase two data is very consistent with the enthusiasm that the prader Willie community has shown for our trial. And last but not least is how we designed our clinical trial. We allow almost any patient who has hyperphagia in Prader-Willi 
to participate in our study. We're recru we recruited patients ranging from four all the way up to 65 years old. Patients can be lean or they can be obese up to a BMI of 65. They can be on continuous treatment for diabetes as long as it's not changing. They can be on growth hormone, et cetera. Basically, we really wanted to make sure that there was broad inclusion exclusion criteria so that we could draw from a, a population that both allowed rapid recruitment of the study, but also will be reflected in our label as broadly available treatment for treating Prader Willi. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us today, Julia. I appreciate the opportunity and the interest in Melendo. I think what we're doing to make a difference in patients' lives with Prader Willi is something I'm incredibly committed to. We're going to have results from our pivotal study in the first half of next year and are going to move rapidly from there to try to advance this to patients. Finger paint. Never paint by number. Visit us at fingerpaint.com. And now it's time for this week's leadership tips from pharma execs. Hi, I'm Julia Owens, co-founder and CEO of Melendo Therapeutics. And my leadership tip uh, in biotechnology is to always remain true to the science, focus on what is going to be best for the patient and advancing care for them and everything else in the business will follow. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's PharmaExec podcast sponsored by FingerPaint. We are always pleased to take you behind the headlines, provide expert tips from industry leaders, and give you an inside look at what the PharmaExec staff is working on. Remember, you can always find us on the web at PharmaExec.com, on Twitter at PharmaExec, on Instagram at PharmaExecutive, and on YouTube. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views of PharmaExec its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions, please email Editorial Director Lisa Henderson at lhenderson at mmhgroup.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at tbaker at mmhgroup.com.